good morning once again, Connection Point Church. So glad you're here with us, whether you're here in person or joining us online. Aren't you glad that he is the way maker? And, and even, even when, as we were singing, even as when, when we don't see it, he's still working. Even when we don't feel it, he's still working. That, that his ability to work doesn't depend on my ability to feel his work. Amen? Well, today we marks week number five in our study through the book of Jude. Listen, I know we spent a lot of time in this often overlooked book, but I believe that this book serves as a strong warning that deserves our attention. Amen? This book reminds us that we, when we allow false teaching to take root in our lives, they take root in every area of our life. It's not just our church life. It is our life. Uh, We've we got to push back against false teachings within the church for sure. But listen, we've also got to contend for the faith in our everyday life. I, it can't be just about what we hear or what we listen to from 11 to 1130 on Sunday morning. L- this last week, Pastor Joe and I uh, had breakfast the other day. And uh, we began to talk and talk about things going on in life and just in general. And and it didn't take long. I don't know how it came up, but we began to talk about school and education and, and just the things of today. And listen, we've got some incredible teachers. I mean, they, they give sacrificially. But, but also, the public school system of today is, is not the place it once was, right? I mean, be, we, we have great, great teachers. There definitely are. But our education system in general, overall, has changed over time. The, the public school system of today seems to have an agenda that steers people, students, away from God. The home used to be the primary place of learning, right? It's not so anymore. We have more single-parent families today than we've had in any time in our history. And, and even the families that would be what we would say as a, a body of believers would be a traditional family with a, with a mom and a dad, even a more majority of them have both parents working outside of the home. Well, at least until COVID hit, right? Now they're all working at home. But generally speaking, most families now have both parents who work outside of the home. And the result of this is we, we see kids spending more and more time away from the home and out from under the supervision of parents. And, and it's not just elementary and high school. It's the college campuses as well where we see this, this agenda that steers students away from God. It's ever-present on my mind, especially today, as we, as we head out after church to drop our youngest, who's a grown man now, it's hard to believe, but as we, as we leave to drop our youngest off in another state six hours away. We've talked to him, though, of the importance of getting plugged into a local church and, and how he's got to be aware that there are those out there that will try and pull him away from his faith. The local church is a place we believe that will help him to stay grounded in the word and contend for the faith. As parents, and and I'm sure this is your prayer as well, but as as parents, um, we 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 pray this prayer, not prayer, but we pray what what Jude is saying in this in this scripture is beware that there are those who have slipped in and uh, are teaching a false doctrine and 
and you have to contend for the faith. We pray that our children would be aware that there are those who will try to lead them astray. We pray that our children will understand that there are those who stand in opposition to God. And we pray that they would stand against false teachings. And they would not allow false teachings to take root in their lives. We pray that our children would contend for the faith that was once given for all. That they would stand firm on the cornerstone, Jesus Christ. And that they would know and believe that he is the way, the only way. He is the truth, and he is the life, and that no one comes to the Father but by him. It's our prayer for our children, but it also must be true in our lives as well. Jude's letter wasn't written just to impact a Sunday morning hour of study. It was written that it would direct our way of life. We, we have so much influence coming at us today from so many different directions at such a speed greater than at any other time in history. And it is our duty, it is our responsibility as believers to be hypervigilant. We can't put our guard down. We have to take the words of, of Jude and, and take them as a warning, and we got to take it to heart. And in our passage today, Jude w is going to give us three examples from the Old Testament. Uh, these examples speak to false teachers not just of Old Testament, not just of the first century church, but also of today. So if you got your Bible, go ahead and open, if you would, to Jude. I was going to say chapter 1, but it is just Jude. We're going to look at verses 11 through 16 this morning. Jude chapter, it's just a habit, Jude chapter. Jude, verse number 11. Woe to them, for they have gone in the way of Cain, have run greedily in the error of Balaam for profit, and perished in the rebellion of Korah. These are spots in your love feast. While they feast with you without fear, serving only themselves, they are clouds without water, carried about by the winds, late autumn trees without fruit, twice dead, pulled up by the roots, raging waves of the sea, foaming up their own shame, wandering stars for whom is reserved the blackness of darkness forever. Now Enoch, the seventh from Adam, prophesied about these men, also saying, Behold, the Lord comes with ten thousands of his saints to execute judgment on all, to convict all who are ungodly among them of all their ungodly deeds, which they have committed in an ungodly way, and all of the harsh things which ungodly sinners have spoken against him. These are grumblers, complainers, walking according to their own lusts, and they mouth great swelling words, flattering people to gain advantage. So in this letter, Jude actually opens with, with, words, from, with words from Jesus. Uh, he, he's really referring back to Matthew 23, where Jesus is speaking to the Pharisees. And, and he uses those words, woe to them. But he says, he says woe to you, our scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites. And he says this over and over again in Matthew 23. And in that passage, Jesus is describing the false teachings of the Pharisees and, and how they lifted their, themselves up and, and how their own words and actions are witnesses 
condemning them. And that's exactly what Jude is doing here. He's looking to the actions of these false teachers and saying, their words, their actions are condemning themselves. And he gives us these three examples from the Old Testament. You'll see he says, in the way of Cain, in the heir of Balaam, and in the rebellion of uh, Korah. He says, woe to them, they have gone in the way of Cain. So what is this? What is the way of Cain? Well, he's, he's speaking to the account in Genesis 4. If you've been in church for very long at all, y'all know the story. You learned it as a little kid. It's where Cain commits the first murder by killing his brother Abel. So is he saying here they have gone in the way of Cain? Is, is he saying they've gone in the way of murder and, and killing people? That's not what he's saying. The way of Cain is the way of unbelief. It's a way that's filled with jealousy and anger and hatred. It's these things that led to Cain murdering his brother Abel. See, Abel was a man that believed that he was supposed to worship God exactly as God had asked. And that was through the the blood of a sacrificed animal. See, blood is the only thing that was going to be able to wash away their sin. But Cain didn't believe that this was a requirement. Cain thought, well, if I bring a sacrifice, a sacrifice of the fruit that I have grown, of the crop that I have grown with my own hands, then, then God, he will accept me for that. Not for the obedience of doing what he has asked, but because of all this hard work that I have done. Isn't that what we do so often, though? Now, we don't say, God's going to accept me for all this hard work I've done, but our actions really do say that. We, we say it through our actions. We work to try and gain some kind of approval or acceptance. And when we do that, it's a reliance on self. I've done this, so therefore God will accept me. When we do this, we're saying, in fact, the blood of Jesus, his sacrifice, wasn't sufficient. He needs my help to come alongside and give him just a little bit more. Didn't Samuel say that obedience is better than sacrifice? So Abel did just as God commanded, and because of that, his offering was acceptable to the Lord. Cain's offering was not as God had commanded, and because of this was rejected by God. Cain was self-centered. He was consumed with self-love. And when he saw Abel was accepted and that he was rejected, his heart, rather than being repentant, was filled with jealousy and hatred towards his brother. He gave way, you see, to his version of religion. And in doing so, what he did was he turned away from God and eventually he turned on his brother. And Jude is saying, the false teachers have gone the way of Cain. And in doing this, he's pointing out two facts about the false teachers. The first one is this. False teachers don't believe God. They don't believe him. The false teachers Jude is talking about didn't believe that people had to worship God just like the word says. They didn't believe that in the deity of Jesus. They didn't believe that he was the perfect sacrifice, nor that they were saved by his blood. They believed man could be saved by doing good. They were teaching that works would save, that man could be saved by the work of their hands. This was the same belief that led Cain down the wrong road. 
The second thing he's pointing out is this. He's saying false teachers don't love like God. See, in Matthew 23, Jesus condemns the Pharisees, and and he talks about them not caring for the widows. He's saying, you haven't loved like you should. And then in, in chapter 15 of John, he says this, greater love has no one than this than to lay down one's life for his friends. That's exactly the opposite of what Cain was doing. Here in Jude, uh, he's comparing the false teachers of the day to that of Cain. He's saying, you haven't loved sacrificially, but instead you've taken. You've cared more for yourselves than for those around you. Jesus says, love in such a way that you lay down your life for one another. Paul tells us in Galatians to share one another's burdens. Jesus said the world will know that you are his disciples, not by, he didn't say by the good works that you do. He, he doesn't say they'll know you by the beautiful buildings that you erect. He didn't say they will know that you're my disciples by the incredible words of your prayers. He says they will know by the way that you love one another. These false teachers were more concerned with taking care of self than they were for caring for one another. Then Jude says, he says, they have run greedily in the era of Balaam for profit. Woe to them. Now, we read about the prophet Balaam back in the book of Numbers. Most of you who are familiar with who Balaam was, you're probably familiar with the story of the donkey that God used to speak to him, right? I mean, that's the story when we think of Balaam. We think of how God uses this donkey to speak to Balaam, and, and we, we think about how God can use anything to speak to us, right? But, but the reality is I think we miss part of the story when we, we focus in on that. I mean, that's great, but there's more to the story. The story of how Balaam succumbed to the promises of wealth, position, and power that was being offered by, by King Balak of Moab. See, in the end, Balaam led Israel astray. In the end, Balaam was really nothing more than a man that had allowed his calling to be a way to make money. People were not his ministry. He was in it for himself. He was in it for what he could get out of it. Balaam was a false teacher, and Jude was comparing these false teachers of the day to him. He, he was trying to get the people to understand this, this fact, that false teachers seek position, acceptance, and wealth. This is the way of Balaam. We see this play out in TV today, and please hear me. I'm not saying every TV preacher is following the way of Balaam. I am not saying that at all. Praise God for those who are are using their platform to speak truth. Praise God for them. But I will say if they talk more about how you should give to their ministry so that you can be blessed, so that you can be blessed financially, you better be on guard if that's their focus. But this isn't just for a, a warning for us to just look at those who are teaching a false gospel. We also need to be aware of it in our own lives as well. You see, Balaam didn't immediately say yes to king, the king. At first, he pushed back. But the continued promises of wealth, they kept coming. It didn't stop. And Balaam began to covet the things of the world. Balaam began to 
to desire the things that the king was promising. I'm here to tell you this morning, listen, the enemy's not going to stop. He's going to keep putting stuff in front of you over and over and over again. He will continue to put materialism of the world at your doorstep. It's everywhere you look. It's always before you. And if you aren't careful, the things of this world, you're going to find yourself spending more time chasing after them than you will chasing after the things of God. You got to push back. You got to put on the full armor of God each and every day. There is a battle that's happening. The enemy is out there every day trying to tempt you. You got to daily contend for the faith. Balaam followed after wealth, position, and power, and God killed him. The third story Jude uses is that of the rebellion of Korah. You see this story in number 16. You can go back and read it later. Korah rejected the authority of Moses and Aaron. He wanted a higher position that, than he was assigned. Korah wanted to serve in a position of leadership. How many times do we see this happen within the church? People are jockeying around looking for a place or position of power, self-promoting. They're like, saying, they're like, look at me and what I've done. Look, look at me and how God is using me. Look at me and how I deserve to be lifted up. I know they don't say that exactly, but sometimes there is a, a look at me and see what I've done. Be like, listen, I'm just as good of a speaker as that one, and I'm just as good of a teacher as that one, and I'm just as good of a preacher as that one. You should put me in that place. You should use me. It's a spirit of rebellion against God's authority, against God's vision. See, Korah began to speak against Moses and Aaron, and he got others to follow along with him, saying, who do these men think that they are? We're all important. And in doing so, they were speaking against God's appointed leaders. God not only destroyed Korah, but he destroyed his family and his followers. And Jude is comparing these false teachers of, of his day to Korah. He's saying these teachers are filled with rebellion and they're not going to submit to authority or to God. False teachers reject authority. This is so prevalent in our society today. Yes, it happens within the church, but it also is widespread throughout our culture. There is a spirit of rebellion that stands against authority. Church, we must remember that all authority is God-appointed. We must be careful that we don't allow this spirit of non-submission to reign in our hearts. What starts out as a let's stand against authority in this one little certain area spreads like, wild, like wildfire. Ultimately, it ends up with us standing against God, and, and when we do this, we are bound for destruction. In verses 12 to 13, Jude uses illustration from nature to show how empty the promises of these false teachers are. Verse number 12, he said, these are spots in your love feast. While, these feast. while they feast with you without fear, serving only themselves, they are clouds without water, carried about by the winds, laid autumn trees without fruit, twice dead, pulled up by the roots. 
Raging waves of the sea, foaming up their own shame, wandering stars for whom is reserved the blackness of darkness forever. He starts out by, by saying, listen, they're, they're going to pretend to be your friends. They're pretending to care for you. But the truth is they only care about themselves. And, that, and then he says, they're clouds without water. Proverbs tells us this. Whoever falsely boasts of giving is like clouds and wind without rain. When the land is dry and you see a cloud on the horizon, hope rises up within you. You begin to believe something good is coming. But then the cloud passes on by and never drops a drop of rain. And you end up dry, even drier than you were before. And now your hope is gone as well. See, these false teachers, they were promising freedom. They were like, do whatever you want, however you want, whenever you want. It sounded good, but it ended in bondage. People ended up enslaved to the things that these leaders said that they could do because of the freedom they had. False teachers promise life, but bring death. And he says, late autumn trees without fruit. But he doesn't leave it with just that. And he says, twice dead, pulled up by the roots. He's saying everything they teach is empty. It produces no good thing. Church, false teachers produce no good fruit. They talk a good game, but in reality, they're, they're teaching a false understanding of godliness. It will eventually show up empty. When it's harvest time, it's plain to see that the tree is empty of fruit. It's easy to see they have no Christ-like character. The fruit of the Spirit is missing in everything they do and say. These teachers are, are raging waves of the sea, it says, foaming up their own shame. You ever been to the ocean? Like right before a storm or during a storm, you see the, the foam on the ocean, right? It's just like this, this foam, and that's all you can see. You can't really see what's happening underneath it. But then the storm passes, the sea calms, and you look along the shoreline, and what do you see? You see a mess, right? You just see all the debris that's left behind from the storm. That's exactly what the writer is saying here. He's saying these false teachers, they leave behind filth. They leave behind filth. They, they leave behind, a in a church, they leave it littered with debris that does not belong in the church of Jesus Christ. Then he goes on, he says, they're like shooting stars. In other words, they're here today, gone tomorrow. They might be, they might be a bright light for a moment, but they will soon vanish. You will see people like this move quickly from one church to another, from one ministry to the next. They will come in into a church blazing hot, but before you know it, they're gone. See, false teachers are inconsistent. 
they have no consistency or reliability. The truth is they have no real sense of direction. They're headed for God's condemnation, which is what Jude is describing when he says, when he talks about the blackness of darkness. Don't be fooled by false teachers. They, they may say things that sound good, but just because something sounds good doesn't make it true. You've got to test every word to the word of God, which is the only word that really matters. You've you got to look at the fruit of their life. See, I think sometimes we get, we get fruit, can, we get it confused with worldly success. So are you judging your life by what the world says is, is, is success, or are you judging it by the word of God? The word of God says if you live by the flesh, you will not inherit, inherit the kingdom of God. But if we're walking in the spirit, in other words, if we're following after the truth of the gospel, the fruit of the spirit is evident in our lives. So what is the fruit of the spirit? Paul lays it out in Galatians. He says, but the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such there is no law. How often do we look at someone, though, and, and we, we see that they've got material wealth, that they've got position, that they have power, they have a so, uh, just huge social media following, they got a full arena. And we look to that and we're like, man, I should emulate that. But that's not the fruit we should be looking for. Self-control is absolutely the opposite of what these false teachers were teaching. They were saying, do whatever you want, whatever feels good. Just do it. When people begin to, to preach, God's favor is on you and you're going to be blessed financially if you do this. Beware. When people preach, no bad thing will ever come against you. How is long-suffering going to be evident in your life? When someone says everything good is going to come your way now, the instant that you said yes to Jesus, how is faithfulness developed? You've got to push back against accepting false teachings like this. Jude says you've got to earnestly contend for the faith. If you remember back in verse 4, Jude says, the, the condemnation of these men was marked out. In verse 14 and 15, Jude speaks of the condemnation that awaits these false teachers. Here in verse 14 and 15, he actually quotes Enoch, say, where, where he said, Behold, the Lord comes with 10,000 of his saints. This is speaking of angels here. To execute judgment on all, to convict all who are ungodly among them of all their ungodly deeds, which they have committed in an ungodly way, and all of the harsh things which ungodly sinners have spoken against him. I'm here to tell you, you can count on these words to come to pass. We see this picture throughout the Old Testament and the New Testament as well with the Lord coming with his angels. We got to be watchful. We got to be ready. Paul told the, the church at the Thessalonians, that the Lord will come like a thief in the night. He says they will be preaching peace and safety and sudden destruction will come upon them. 
But listen, he also says, but you and I are not in darkness. Paul also, also in his writing says, follow me as I follow Christ. In other words, everything goes back to Christ. Everything goes back to Jesus Christ has got to be our foundation. It's upon him and him alone that we must build. Everything else will lead us into darkness. There are those today that would teach a God of love would not cast any into darkness. There are those today that would teach there is no such thing as a hell. I'm here to say today that God created hell for Satan and his demons, and he gave his only son that we would not be condemned to it. But the fact is, if you reject his son, if you reject his ways, you're choosing hell. You are choosing eternal separation. You're choosing eternity away from the God who loves you so much that he gave his very life. False teachers lead to condemnation. If you follow after false teaching in the way of flesh, you will be taken by surprise when the trumpet sounds. And he will come, just as Paul said, like a thief in the night. God is a just God who is love. But anyone who leaves out the part of his justice is leaving out a part of who he is and they're teaching a false theology. Every day we are nearing his return. When he comes back, he's not coming back as a baby. He's not coming back as a child and he's not headed to a cross. When he returns, he's coming as the king of glory, the one who reigns supreme. We must be ready. We must be watching. We must be vigilant. We must daily contend for the faith that was once given. We must not allow false teachings to take root in our lives. Reject every false teaching. Contend, contend daily for the faith that was given, given once for all. Verse number 16 says, These are grumblers, complainers, walking according to their own lust, and they mouth great swelling words, flattering people to gain advantage. Jude is saying, beware of those people. Beware of those people who always tell you exactly what you want to hear. Because those who tell you everything you want to hear aren't necessarily tell, not necessarily telling you everything that you need to hear. Didn't, didn't Hebrews tell us this? It's the child he loves that he disciplines. The child he embraces, he also corrects. Speaking of God, you're following after someone who only whispers the things you want to hear, you better run. They don't have your best interest in mind. 
false teachers will tell you what they want to hear because they want you around. They thrive off of that. You are there for their benefit. Why? Because false teachers are selfish. They will tell you, using great swelling words, flattery, telling you exactly what you want to hear. But it's all for their benefit. Not for yours. Reject those leaders. Reject those teachings. They're selfish. We're not called to be self-serving. We're called to be self-sacrificing. Anything that teaches something other than that is a false teaching. We're told to day daily day to die daily to the flesh. I didn't even think that was a tongue twister, but it sure came out that way. Any teaching that is not built upon Jesus Christ who gave it all. He gave up heaven. He came as a poor infant, born in a manger, died upon a cross, gave it all up. Any teaching that says you can have it all and there won't ever be any problems is a lie. Any teaching that is not built upon Jesus Christ is a wide path. Word says his way is narrow. Stay on the narrow path. The narrow path leads to eternity with him. Build your life on Jesus Christ. Nothing else. Jesus Christ. You won't go wrong. Amen.